Good evening, planet Earth. Good evening to the Koblan folk currently battling the Trigdon tribes of eastern Consclipia. Good evening to the submarine people doing battle in the Marianas Trench for all the juices. Good evening to the space pilots heading deep into space. Who knows what they're going to find? Hmm. Good evening to all the travelers. I hear you out there walking slowly towards the future. Yeah. It is Monday, Monday, May the 22nd, 2023, but it's almost midnight. And you about you know about me at midnight, it's like a giant question mark that knocks on your door. It has a half rack of beer, but it's not very good beer. It's got cigarette breath and whiskey eyes. It's got shaky hands and jaundice. Midnight is a fellow dressed in a gray jacket. His girlfriend is mourning and she's a hell of a gal. morning. Up on stage next is Chastity. Yeah. But no, I'm going to try to stay on topic this midnight. You heard from me earlier today, more of the morning time discourse of a person sitting out there with eyes bleached by the sun. But this is different. This is a little bit wetter, a little nastier. It's moist around midnight because your body can regumulate itself, but this produces poisons. And that's okay. Almost midnight. And then it becomes a judgment call what to call this podcast. Did it happen today or yesterday? Is it happening tomorrow? Did this podcast happen yesterday or tomorrow? Are you a time traveler? Are you traveling backwards in time? Did somebody do something? Did somebody touch you in a bad spot? So you're going to fix it all. <laughs> but you can't. Because we are in Boblimpdok, my friends out there in space-time. And in Boblimpdok, upside down is right side up. In Bo Blimp Talk, war is definitely peace. In Bo Blimp Talk, your Chaco rations go up next week. 
you get more gin, victory gin. They'll give you another pack of Marlboro Reds. After the bombs, the, after the bombs, you know those fucking bombs start falling. The Grogon Wrath demons will usher forth from the great hole in the middle of the world. Volcanoes will explode and unleash a fury of disco madness as the crypts and the bloods rip up East L.A. and New York City becomes a home to rat demons from Sector 3. Also known as New Jersey. Also known as New Jersey. Rat demons from Sector 3. And some will say, well, shit, man. Couldn't we have done something? And nothing would ever be done. Some sideways jock warrior, some Chad, some Melinda, some Karen, sitting on her sofa, eating her, you know, deconsecrated cornflower syrup, as she scrumulates and says, couldn't we have done something, Dan? Was there something we could have done? And my answer as a sideways freak that stood out there in Seattle in 2014 with a sign that said Puerto Rico was, you know, <laughs> yeah. That Crimea was more Russian than Puerto Rico was American. And, and as be it, parts of Texas. And people didn't understand and they don't understand. So if you sit on your fucking sofa and you stare into your darkness as you're scooping in more and more corn syrup, and you say to yourself, couldn't we have done something? The answer is yes, but nothing would ever be done. The Kib warriors are about to arise... They stand tall and have washboard abs. They sky hunt for blood eagles and the torn jaguar skin crawlers from Guatemala. When you hear the hawk cry, run for the caves. When you hear the hawk cry, it means they're coming. Run for the fucking caves. The Kib warriors are coming for you. They're coming for me too. When you hear the hawk cry, when you, when you see the sky turn red, when you hear the thunder of the mountain scream in your ears, run for the fucking caves because they're coming.
They want to ravage your women and steal your heart wax. They feed on broken monsters and old Catholic priests with bad consciences. And with fists of total vengeance, they smash the peddlers of hogan flesh with the almighty power of total cloud oneness. I've taken a stroll among the stars and Neil Armstrong bought me a ticket at the bar. Buzz Aldrin was there too. He brought the moonshine and the fruit for the spody. There was this maiden of the moon we inseminated and left for dead. But her head lived on from the infection. After 2,000 years of hooker armies, pounding the lunar surface to dust, only gray whales were left with fire mines and fins made of purple diamonds. They slapped us around, those gray whales, and we stole the platinum gold and headed east to Mars. Those Martians are something in all their Martian ways. They rule the red planet. They rule the sky. When Mars was new, we were the young bucks filled with fucks and finger candy for those cocaine wastrels from Broadway, from Brooklyn, from the, what, the five fingers, the four fingers, tell me again, Big Apple, where they touched you. They danced the seven veils with, with needle marks on display for every freak and nasty old hag. I kept women at the bar on Olympus Mons, they always covered themselves in blue boils and were ready for action if Pimp Daddy called on his laser phone. So invest in big banks, asked my hooker wife. No, baby. You need to invest in moon bonds. They, the Martian people, they lived hungry pirate lives surrounded by gold and whiskey and life. Their love ran deep along the trenches from Stugtown to Fritzerland, the Valley's Marineris with marinara sauce became the canyon of death where no true warrior bled anything but white. And the vapors gave you nuggin tomb flu, tomb death flu, really bad, right, monkey herpes? I met my 53rd wife at the bar in Switzerland. 
She was watching Ghost Rider on Netflix, and I had to say, fuck, honey, Roman Pala- Roman fucking Roman Polanski is a disappointing old pedo. I don't get it. The movie scares you. Scares me. It scares you, baby. That's why you hate Polanski. No, baby. No, baby. Listen. Listen, baby. I'm about to teach. If the big reveal is the CIA has plants, agents, in foreign allied governments and even picks their leaders and puts CIA people in their places, if that's the big fucking reveal in the movie Ghost Rider, Mr. Polanski, it's not much of a fucking reveal. It isn't. It might be for the schmucks who get their salad paste, but not for the rest of us, Grongo. She slapped me. She slapped me, my baby slapped me for dissing Ghost Rider and Roman Polanski, even though he's a giant disappointment. And my baby went home with Rowdy Allen and his harlot skunk Tina. There is no alternative, bitch. If you ask a kid warrior about his girlfriends, He'll tell you, I've got plenty of babies out there, plenty of girlfriends, in shallow graves across the Southwest. Kib warriors have hearts of pure cobalt and a hideous courage that keeps them up at night. They'll spend many weekends golfing and talking about Chad, but in the end, they can't abide by froggy jerks with side-eye glances and QAnon stickers on their foreheads. They feed the anger machine the dead, and the dead wander in darkness because of their inheritance. You might as well be a Chinese-Mexican, a kid said to me once at Trader Joe's. He took me for an Irish Slovak or a Vietnamese German, but my heart is pure and my race is the race of man. The Kib warrior mediates spiritual energies, balancing forces of light and darkness. They put a guy in every Roman Polanski movie that looks like Polanski but isn't. Did you know that? In every Polanski movie, there's a dude you think is Polanski but it's not. Did you know that? You'll say to yourself, oh, that's Roman Polanski. He's like Alfred Hitchcock. He's like other directors. You know, Scorsese, that shitbird. No, fucker. They put a guy in every Roman Polanski movie. He looks like Roman Polanski but he's not. A kib warrior would destroy you for this. He would say to you, you are a heretic and you've been wandering the wastelands and you are no longer aware of the deeper truth. And, and, and it is this, A, Roman Polanski is a giant disappointment. And B, the movie Ghost Rider is stupid. If the big reveal in the movie is the CIA controls our allied governments, that's not a fucking reveal. That's not a deep, dark secret. You know, really, you're not telling us shit. It's like that movie, you know, Captain America, where the big reveal, the big story, 
you know? Or better yet, Winter Soldier. Oh, the Nazis are here, and they're in our government. They stole our beer. You know, they were always here. They were always here. If you could have a conversation with someone who's not a Kib warrior or a Jedi or a Crip or a Blood or an army ranger, if you could have a conversation with an old chieftain, a ghost from Wounded Knee, and ask him when the Nazis arrived, he'll give you a different fucking answer, asshole. If you could have a conversation with a mom on the Trail of Tears and ask her when did the Nazis get here, she'd probably give you a different fucking date once you explained what a Nazi was. Yeah. We didn't bring Nazis here. We brought them home. That's what paperclip was. That's what all that nonsense is. You could say, well, it goes back to skull and bones. Brothers and sisters, it goes back to the fall of man. That's where it started. That's where the whole wretched story started. We had choices. We made the wrong one. We were always going to make the wrong one. You can sit on your sofa and you can eat your skunk juice and your corn syrup sugar life and you can do all that and you can say to me, is there something we could have done? And the simple answer is yes and it was always going to be like this. Well, that's called fatalism. Maybe. I mean, I'm a Christian. Okay, but this is Bo Blimpdoc. This isn't about the Bible right now. This is fiction, right? These are just stories about the lords of Bo Blimpdoc and what they'll do and why Roman Polanski's really fucking disappointing. Next topic, Scrungo Freak. Next topic. And it's a timely subject, to say the least. Um, I think it's a quote from Dr. Freckles. When you're over 50 years old, dogs barking and teenagers talking is pretty much the same shit. And this is not to accuse dogs or teenagers of great crimes. They are what they are. They exist in the paste. They are alive for a moment, and then they become adults, maybe. Well, dogs remain four-year-olds, but teenagers grow up, right? But when you're over 50 and you hear the clatter and clang of dogs barking at some random old person or some couple walking in the park just trying to have a happy day, when you hear those dogs barking at other dogs that just want to enjoy the grass, it makes you wonder about them, about their drives and interests. Oh, that's my park. No, Boomer. No, Kia. No, Bailey. No, Shaggy. It's not your park. It's, it's somebody else's, and you just enjoy it. But they still bark. And you can hear the clatter and clang of teenagers often out there in space, and they'll say nutty things, 
crazy things and you'll say to yourself, I should correct them. But the real answer is you should build a wall around yourself, 50 year old man, and protect yourself because that energy goes nowhere good. Next topic. Like Dr. Freckles said though, when you're over 50, over 50 years old, dogs barking and teenagers talking is pretty much the same, you know, wretched shit. <laughs> Next topic is also a quote from Dr. Freckles. I would be willing to bet the beer the Egyptians produced for their slaves was about as good, maybe better than natural light without the luxuries of carbonation and refrigeration. And I would venture to guess better, um, Mr. Freckles. No, you're going to call me Doc. Okay, Dr. Freckles. I would say better. I mean, this is something people don't understand about the history of beer, is that in many ways it was an ori originally a way to produce something you could drink that wouldn't kill you. You know, the process by which the beer would ferment, the process by which the beer is produced, would produce something you could drink. It had, you know, quote-unquote food in it, maybe even a tiny bit of protein, but mostly just carbs, but essentially something you could drink that wouldn't kill you. And it wasn't high in alcohol. Probably had an alcohol content roughly comparable to natural light or even, you know, the kind you get in Utah, and or less. Like, maybe it was more like the beer you get in Kansas, you know, if you don't want to go to the liquor store the three and a half percent nutty stuff. But yeah, maybe even like more like 2%. It was probably a very low content, but just enough to make the water safe to drink. Just enough to make it something you could consume. Natural light, on the other hand, is really just garbage beer. But if you live in Utah and you don't have a lot of money, it's about the beer, it's a lot like Rainier beer in Washington state. Nobody's going to call it a great beer, but it is a beer you can drink. Or PBR, you know. You can drink a PBR in a pinch. Mr. IPA. I live in Kirkland, Washington, but I don't drink Kirkland beer. I drink Lagunitas. I am so special. I'm traveling to Japan to teach them mathematics. Yeah. Anyways, it's a bit of a historical detour, but I think about it because, you know, I probably should drink less beer, but I enjoy beer. And frankly, I enjoy it this time of year because it gets so damn hot. And in terms of, you know, wanting to have a lot of alcohol in it, I, I would prefer there be an amount that's appropriate, but I would even prefer it to be the case that you don't have it with a lot of junk carbs. And the thing about beer in Utah, this is my theory, I could be wrong, is I don't, I don't think the beer producers are interested in fulfilling the needs of Mormons, and I don't think the Mormons want you drinking beer. So this kind of evil alliance that happens under the surface produces the following. I think it produces beer where there's a lot of unfermented processes, a lot of sugars that are left to be sugars, and so you basically end up with what I would call diabetes beer or, or beer syrup. I mean, in theory, I guess you could take a Mormon beer and you could t 
take the process further down the road in your own type of still. But the fact is, it's mostly dreck. Even the expensive stuff is crap. And so you go to the liquor store, which is the shame store. It's always the dirty little store next to the hooker where she lives. And she gets visited periodically by elders of the church. There you can get your real beer that's at room temperature. Yeah. It is what it is, brothers and sisters. I am not going to complain about beer because on the list of things that trouble people these days... I would suggest to myself this does not rank very high. Next topic. So one of the things that comes up periodically when my podcast drifts towards religious subjects like Christianity is this notion of a church, what a church is. And and we should know, I think it's Matthew eleven seventeen. I, I could be wrong, but... Let me just, actually, I'm going to double check this because I don't want to give you the wrong number. Um, the wrong info. Matthew 11, I think 17. I think it's that. No, I don't think that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. I was wrong. I think it's Matthew 17. Matthew 17, let's just double check this again. Let's, you know what? Matthew 18, 20, okay? Um, And it's this, you know, statement by Jesus, and I paraphrase, if two or more are if two or more of you are gathered in my name you have a church and this is something i believe this is the foundation of the church of christ it's nothing to do with you know the emperor constantine it's nothing to do with the council of nicaea even though it might very well have been part of god's plan that the council of nicaea occur that there be this committee this committee this comedy committee this committee that there be this group of people, um, this group of old men who would figure out what books go in the Bible and which ones get kept out. I mean, the book of Enoch gets quoted throughout the Bible, but for some, re- for some reason, it is apocrypha. You don't include it. So they made decisions about what was going to be the word. Now, I would still say that the Lord acted through them, even if they were corrupt, even if they were base, even if they were you know, definitely sinners, the Lord's hand could be seen, and it is there. But ultimately, when we break it down, we get right down to it, um, the Bible is an edited book. And yet, I would tell you, 1820 is still there, okay? Matthew 1820, two or more gathered in my name. Now, here's the other kind of church, and that's the 501c3. That's the one that's been sanctioned. That's the one that's been allowed. That's the one where you make donations. Unlike my planetary status report, you can take it as a deduction with your taxes. But it's also one where the government has its foot in the door. So if the government wants you to preach a certain kind of gospel, the 501c3 church is that kind of church. If the government wants to make sure that everybody puts a coffee filter on their faces, then those ministers will be told, this is what you're going to say. 
They'll get an email from whatever person they report to. They'll get a message saying, this is what you're going to say. And the fear is spread. And the fear, the wrong-headed, really disgusting fear, is being spread by the very ministers that are supposed to be serving Christ and helping you. But it gets worse. And this is a quote from Dr. Freckles before we continue. If your church preaches power, money, and the hoarding of those things, it preaches the gospel of the desert devil. What does that mean? Well, we've talked about this in recent days. It's been a topic that sort of comes back. The 40 days that the Lord spent in the desert, the 40 days that he spent meditating and praying, likely. And the devil shows up and he says, Hey, Lord, Son of God, I know you're special. I'm Lucifer. I used to be special too. You know, before the hairless monkeys. I'm special. We're special, Jesus. Let's have a conversation. You've been out here in the desert. You're tired. You're hungry. Look over there. I just created an, an oasis for you, but better than an oasis, a bar, name the oasis, and all your friends are in the lowest places according to you, so you can have a good time at the oasis with all those busty women, all that drinking and cheese balls and french fries and gordit rings. Look over there, Jesus. Those are the kingdoms of the world. Those are kings and queens. Look over there, that's the king of England. I can make you the king of England, Jesus. I can give you the power of the world. Every one of those lords will bow to you. Look over there, Jesus. Over there. That's a bank. That bank has gold and diamonds and money. It has wealth. It has power. I can give you every bank in the world, Jesus. You can have the biggest central bank that's ever been created. It's going to be called the Federal Reserve. And you'll be able to have dot plots and other arcane and fatuous reasoning type thingies to confuse the fuck out of the hoi polloi. Jesus, I can give you all the power, all the gold, all the money. I can give you ministers that will teach their flocks about power and money. Believe in you and they'll believe that they'll get a BMW. And I don't know, other than the Bible, what Jesus said, but I'm pretty certain it could have been something like, you know, what you're offering me, with all due respect, you know, Lucifer, is a steaming pile of shit. That's it. You have eyes. And you either see the truth or you don't. But if you see the truth with your eyes, what I see in everything you describe are piles of dust. Things that turn to sand. The water, the wind, the weather, and time, and all of it gets destroyed. If I was simply motivated by the things that would attract a person, I have eyes that tell me that it is distasteful, that it is bitter in my mouth. And so, you know, the devil went away. The devil's a grifter. He's not going to waste time on somebody that can't be convinced. He'll do his pitch 
and then he'll go find the rubes in Vegas. The greatest power that we achieve through the Holy Spirit is the Word. And the greatest word that the Holy Spirit allows us to see through discernment is love. There is no power in the world, no stack of money, no pile of diamonds, no house that you bought for a hundred grand and you put fifty grand into it and now it's worth 1.5 million. No. You can flip all the houses in the world and look for gold underneath them. There is nothing compared to the power of the word. For first there was the word, and that word was love. It was. Love's not simple. It's not straightforward. That doesn't mean everybody gets saved. Everybody can be saved. We can sit on our couches and eat our slumbo cream and complain, why didn't somebody do something? Somebody could have done something. But the simple truth is, nobody's gonna, or at least not enough people. That's also part of the story. Yes, the power of the word is love, but love is not simple. And Jesus, being the wisest of the wise, Jesus, being the Son of God, knew this. And so he could look at the devil and say, Buddy, pal, friendo of mine, oft repeated and repeat once again, what you're offering me is a steaming pile of shit. And the devil walks away. Next topic. Here's another quote from Dr. Freckles. Find your passion. Then you might be surprised by how brilliant you are. Dr. Freckles. And I would say that there is a possibility there's a proverb or two in the Bible that would say something similar to this. But I would also argue that this is something that, you know, Christ might have said, you know, to somebody who asked him questions. Do you want to understand where your brilliance is? Well, your brilliance is connected to your passion. And also, if you're a Christian, it's connected to living the kingdom life. But it's also connected to your passion. Find your passion, and you will be surprised by how brilliant you are. Find the fire in your belly. It's not the same for everybody, but you find that fire, and you'll probably find out you're a genius. Find the thing that no IQ test or psychologist could ever test for. It starts out as a spark. It's the light in the darkness. And it'll show you the way.
find your passion, then you might be surprised by how brilliant you are, Dr. Freckles. And I won't claim I figured this out. I, I won't. I think one of the great errors of my existence is I wandered, I wandered the wasteland for a long time. But without a proper compass, without a good direction, I found a lot of things. I found some greasy places. I found some nasty places. I went on sideways adventures. I hung out with freaks and scrungos and even probably a CIA spook or two. But I never did find my passion, really. And if I did, I found it too late. That's not the end of the world. This is the story of many, many people. And it's not to say that I don't have replacements that are close enough. But in my heart, I know. I know what I wish I could be doing. And I've talked about this in the past, and I know what I am doing. Do I enjoy this podcast? Of course I do. Every Irishman enjoys telling stories. But there are things I'd rather do with my time, with my energy. And it's not a question of, did the universe let me do it? The question is, did I find this out, figure this out on my own? Did I just go ahead and, and did, I, did I have the stubbornness to just go and do it? And the answer is no. I gave up. I quit. A lot of people do that. A lot of people give up. They quit. They think they know their passion. They hit a brick wall. Somebody calls them stupid. Somebody makes fun of them. Somebody says they're fat or lazy or ugly. Somebody's a bully. And so they let the bully win and they give up. And my advice to a young person who is not likely to be listening, according to Spotify, and given, you know, certain features of that YouTube, make sure you pick the right answer. We'll talk about that probably in a podcast coming up soon. Yeah, you're probably not a young person. Spotify says, according to their demographic model, that angry old men listen to me. Well, that's fine. That's my target demographic. But even for you, angry old man who's not dead yet, you can still find your passion. You can. I can too, probably. You can. I would probably also add that we are living in a time where there's a shelf life on everything that you would think of as the basis of normality for you to enjoy your passion. That's all, that also might be true. You know, I, I, I'm sorry if, if I sound like a fatalist I'm just telling you that there are choices we can make. And as we get older, those choices narrow. This is also true. And one more thing. As stated before in previous podcasts, you don't know, and I don't know, if any of us, to include you or I, obviously, will be alive tomorrow. So if you're waiting to engage with your passion, whether you're 25, 55, 105... If you're waiting, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for permission? Are you waiting for the bullies to go away? No one's going to give you permission, okay? No one, ever, no one ever can and no one ever will. And if you think you need permission, there's a guy named Jesus, and I'm pretty certain he gave you permission if only you can find the way. But the bottom line is, folks, you don't need to seek permission. And as far as bullies go, <sighs> bullies go back to the beginning. Bullies go back to that very garden. Bullies are often, by the way, you know, grifters. Because when they can't beat you up, they like to trick you. They like to say things like, you want to see an M80, Dan? While their, you know, toady, who's off the spody, hits you in the back of the head with a lead pipe. 
If you're waiting for a world without bullies, you will be waiting until the end of time. When the Lord judges them, by the way, when they're held up for scrutiny, you'll be waiting until then if you want a world without bullies. And that's probably, you know, not a time we can predict, brothers and sisters. I've said, I think I could flip a coin at this point to say whether we're on the verge of the end times, but it's still 50-50. It's not a guarantee. But yeah, you could say that it feels like it, but the answer is, in the temporal world, the world of time and space and energy and matter, in this world of dogs and cats and humans and hookers, there will, there will be bullies, period. So if you're waiting to follow your passion because of bullies, if you're waiting to follow your passion because of permission, you need to give up on all that. You need to just go for it. Because the simple truth is, good times, bad times, as we've discussed previously, I could be dead tomorrow, you could be dead tomorrow, we could all be dead tomorrow. It's not about tomorrow, it's about today. It's after midnight, but that's okay. We went on a midnight journey. We arrived at a castle being run by a King Fred. He tells you of his troubles. He tells you of the peasants. He sends you to the dungeon. Do you go right or left? You hear screams down the hallway. You go down the hallway. You pull out your monkey sword and you ready yourself for battle against the Gorlet freaks. But instead there's a dragon named FOMO. And the dragon has a fire beam and the dragon has gold teeth and the dragon says, do you really want to miss out, buddy? You can buy my crypto, you can buy my gold, you can buy this hooker named Tina. Do you want to miss out, buddy, the dragon says. You can buy treasury bonds. You could make a bundle. You could buy Tesla. He's sending fish to space. You could buy into Microsoft and visit their campus in Redmond and see all the Sclevet freaks and eat money at the cafeteria. You go down the hallway past the bloody sword. You see a doorway. Do you open it? Yes. Inside the next room, there are bugbears and weird snakes and flying bats, and they're all telling you, turn around, buddy, because you're missing out. You could have bought Bitcoin. You could be a Bitcoin baron. You could buy everybody's sushi. They'll get mercury poisoning.
It is now Tuesday, after midnight. We started out this journey on Monday. Are you surprised we made it here? We survived the desert and the ocean. We survived the jungles and the hookers. We made it all the way past Grinkentown, past Scompton. We're still in Boblimtok. You were born in Boblimtok. You'll die in Boblimtok. But that's okay, shithead. You can still find joy. You can still find passion. It's out there. But give up on asking permission. Give up on a world without bullies. It's just going to be that way, and you're just going to have to be stubborn and courageous. If you enjoy this podcast, and I have no earthly reason to understand why, you can donate to it. There's a PayPal link in the notes. You can click on the link and donate the money. It's up to you. Um, If you... How can I put this? Because I've thought about this, and I've said this a few times. I say it the same way every time, but I'll say it again. Make sure you take care of your food, your water, your shelter. Make sure you take care of the people you love. Make sure if you have pets and you have some food you've been stockpiling, stockpile food for them too. You know, Think about them. Think about their needs too. I can't tell you about how much food you'll need, but I can tell you this. Nobody has a basement big enough. It doesn't mean, you, that doesn't mean, oh, that means we need to stockpile more. No. It means be realistic. I'd say 6 to 12 months is probably the maximum. And I would make it food you eat so you can consume from it, you know, to keep things fresh. But if you've taken care of the people you love, if you've taken care of your pets, if you've got enough money to pay your rent this month and next month and maybe the month after, if you're doing okay financially and you're finding joy and you're following your passion and you have a hooker wife and you have your hooker children and they're going to Yale next year and if all of this is true and you still have money left over you can donate it to me that's okay I'll take your gold I'll take your dollars I can't really process your crypto but then again a lot of people can't okay but um, yeah, there's a PayPal link. You can pay. You can. You can give me money or nothing. Nothing's okay. Free is okay, especially if you don't have money. It's okay that you don't have money. It's okay if you don't donate. If you've got a gazillion dollars and you want to fund a crazy old man right up until the brink, or tell him five years from now, ha ha ha, you were wrong, you should do that, buddy. I mean, put your money where your mouth is, fucker. But that being said, I'm not here to tell you you have to give me anything. You don't. Especially if you don't have it. And if you do have it, well, yeah. You can go ahead and fund me. Be my benefactor. But I'm always going to be me, and I'm always going to be in Scompton, Utah. And I was born in Boblimpdok. I live in Boblimpdok. And I'll die there, just like you.